The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Awesome. All right, now we can preach. Let's get in the word. All right, let's pray. And we're just going to ask, you know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will be our counselor and that he will lead us into truth. So we're just going to pray that God will uh, do that, that the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth and teach us what he wants us to understand and know about his word and about who he is, not just in our head, but in our heart so that we can live it out, right? That's the goal. Live it out. Love God, love people, live like we mean it. So Father, we just lift up this word to you right now and I ask that you would help us in these ways, Lord, let us know what you want us uh, to do with this, Lord. Not just a good idea or a good sermon, but Lord, let it change our lives and let it make us more effective with others. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, it is Thanksgiving season, even though these Christmas trees make it feel like, Christmas, like Thanksgiving is over and Christmas has begun. But it's a good time to be thankful for Jesus, too, and that's coming up in Christmas. So we're just getting an early start. But it is Thanksgiving time. How many of you are thankful for your families? Let's raise your hand. Okay, put them down. How many of you are not thankful for your families? Because your family's like, I, I didn't finish saying it. Look at you guys. Hey, stop. Father, forgive us. We know not what we do. Uh, how many of you are thankful for your home? How many of you are thankful for your turkeys that are coming? Okay, how many of you are just really, truly, amazingly thankful for yourself and how God made you? Okay, amen. This is what we're going to talk about today because you should be. You should be. Does it mean you're perfect? No, it doesn't. Uh, does it mean that you're perfect attitude all the time, perfect thoughts all the time, that you have perfect, uh, you know, looks all the time? No, it doesn't. What it means is that God has made you awesome. And we got into that last week when we started this series, Psalms 139, 13 to 14. This is David. Now, David is a man after God's own heart. So we know that his heart is the same as God's heart. And he says this in Psalms 139, for you form me in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, I praise you, so he's praising God for what? I praise you for I, not other people, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and I know this very well. So he spent some time thinking about and really getting to know and to understand that God was making awesome, wonderful things and that he was actually one of those. And he was thanking God for that. I don't know if you've been at a prayer meeting and everybody's holding hands and you're standing around and people are saying, hey, let's pray, let's start out with thankfulness. And you say, okay, um, I'd like to just, if we could all just take a minute and just thank God for me. Could we just do that? Everybody pitch in, let's just go around. Uh, or in fact, you know what, uh, uh, why don't you go ahead and do that, Kyle? Why don't you just lead us all in a prayer of thankfulness for me and how awesome I am? Wouldn't that be awkward? Wouldn't that be weird? It would be fun, though. Hmm. I might have to try that. Uh, but it would be awesome. And so there's this idea of really having an understanding of that. And somehow in life, because we kind of get it beat out of us, but as life goes on, we start to lose that. Because we all think we're awesome when we're little. Right? We all think that we're going to be like a hero, a superhero. We're going to change things. We're going to do stuff. We, we think we can jump farther than we can, run faster than we can. You know, I used to think that I could beat my dad at running. And I was like five, and my dad could like probably just slow walk and beat me, but he sure made it look like he was struggling, and I was fast, and I was going to get him. 
You know, my son thinks he can beat me at basketball because, you know what, I let him look good. <laughs> well, he does it. So I do. You know? Kira, our little two-and-a-half-year-old yesterday, got her school pictures. Bring it in. It's in the little plastic envelope. She looks at it. She sees herself, and guess what? Wow. <laughs> I'm like, cool. She's like, let's go for a walk. She gets her shoes on. I'm like, okay. I grab her hand. We're going to the door, and she's bringing herself. I said, no, no, you got to leave yourself right there. You ever wish you could leave yourself somewhere, by the way? I do. But, you, know, you stay here. I'm going to go be someone else today. Just you stay there. All your problems, all your weirdoness, just stop. But no, she is there, and she's like not letting it go. I'm standing there by the bench by the door. I don't want her to take her brand new school pictures because mom will get mad that they all got wrinkled. And I'm like, well, we went on a walk. Well, that's not going to work. So I'm trying to talk her into leaving them on the bench. It's like a 10-minute process. And she finally, like brokenheartedly, walks over to the bench to set it down. She goes just like this. She goes. And then at the last second, she picks it back up. She literally hugs her photo, sets it back down, and then leans down and kisses it. <laughs> and stands up. She goes, bye. And then we go on a walk. She really thinks she's pretty wonderful. But we all started that way. Life and circumstances kind of work it out of us, right? We all have these great ideas and these thoughts of who we're going to be and what we're going to do and how God's made us, and somehow it just gets ground out of us. But God wants us to have that, and it's not just like a standalone, like, self-love, like, you know, oh, I know I'm amazing, I'm fantastic, I'm going to talk to myself and build myself up. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an awareness and a reality that we serve a great and awesome God who loves us and actually made us, designed us, and actually wanted to bring us to life. That he made us on purpose for a purpose. That you matter, that you count, you're significant. That the giftings and the abilities that you have in your life matter. The relationships that God puts in your life matter because God wants you to have an impact and an effect on those people. He wants you to be your hand, his hands and feet to those. So we're going to start looking at this as where it all went wrong, and we're going to go all the way back to Genesis, and this was with Adam and Eve. So in Genesis 3, 5, this is where they first get tempted and sin comes in, okay? We all know this verse. For God knows that in the day that this is the serpent talking to them, this is the devil talking to them, and they're not supposed to eat of this tree. If you don't know the Bible story, there's a tree. God said you can have everything, but you can't have this. Why? Because he's just setting a boundary. You can't have this. It wasn't a magical fruit. You can't go on like a, a big uh, Indiana Jones excursion to find that tree. If I eat that fruit, I'm going to live forever, or I'm going to have all the knowledge. That wasn't the point. It was just setting a boundary. This is a boundary. Don't do this. I'm God. You're not. So have a boundary in your life. They didn't want it. So here comes the serpent. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So they fell for this temptation. Now we have all this sin. But here's the biggest thing about that. He was tempting them with something that they already had. They already had it. The temptation was, and you hear a lot of times it's preached like, oh, they wanted to be like God. They were so proud and so arrogant. This temptation of pride and arrogance to be like God. Well, but... Let's read here in Genesis 1.27. We go back a couple chapters. So God created mankind in what? So what were they like? They already had it. They already were. They already had significance. God already made them in his image. He already made them to be like him. Well, how so? We're not God. Well, no, we're not. 
We're not talking about being God. We're talking about being like, being in his image. He made us creative. He gave us the ability to choose. He gave us the ability to love others, to make moral decisions. He gave us these abilities in our life, and he made us like him. And here the serpent comes in and says, you know what? If you do this, you can be like him. He tempted them for something that they already have. Well, how many of us sometimes get tempted to go out and struggle and strive for something in our life that really God already gave us. We're just looking over the top of it. We're just looking past it. God already gave us contentment. God already gave us peace. God already gave us those things. But no, but if I just got this, then I would have it. Then I would experience it. And we're looking past, and the temptation comes to try to strive and wrestle and go for something that really God's like, well, you know you already have it, right? I was buying food for our Sunday. We're having a Sunday dinner today after, after uh, church for our family. And I was buying food. I take a picture and I send it to the family. I said, buying awesome food. Come, it's going to be amazing. The mom picks back. We already have broccoli. Do you know what? We do. And I'm out buying something, spending money, wasting money and time, getting what? Something I already have. Right? But I never really looked through before I left. I just assumed I have nothing. I got to go get it all. Right? Well, in God's word, Right? We open up this refrigerator of God's word. We open up the doors of God's word. We look inside. And guess what? There's a lot of things in there that God has already given us that sometimes we're out trying to get because we've never stopped to look and see what we already have. Right? The Bible tells us all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. His promises are already there. We've got to get in and know them and read them and understand them. And so that's what happened. You know, I was reading an article. Uh, this was a few years back, but this guy robbed a bank. I didn't know people still did that, but they do. Just like the old West, people still rob banks. So the guy goes in and robs a bank with a gun, a rifle, and your money. And he goes in there and he robs the bank and he gets like $60,000 and he leaves. He ends up getting found and arrested, right? And so there he goes. He goes, goes into prison. And they took his gun and it was found out after he robbed this bank for like 60 grand that his gun was worth like a hundred and something thousand dollars because he had gotten it from his grandpa. And there was this old, old collectible gun. So he is in there doing all this to try to get something what? Something that he already had. And it ended up ruining his whole life. If we're not careful and we don't understand what God's already given us, we will chase the attainment of it to our own harm and to our own detriment. I need to matter. I need to be significant. So what? I'm going to go put myself in these situations. I'm going to go be involved with these people, the ones that are not actually doing the things that I should be doing. But I'm going to get involved with them, do the things they're doing because it makes me significant. It gives me value. Well, guess what? You already have significance. You already have value. It was actually built into the package when you were born. God already gave it. I'm going to go work lots of extra hours because I need provision. So I'm going to be a workaholic. I'm never home from my family. I'm just going to work, 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 work all the time. Because I got to get everything for my family. I got to provide. And yet God already says, in vain you rise up early, go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil, for God gives rest to those that he loves. He allows us to have rest. He allows us to take time off. He's the one that made the Sabbath. Jesus said the Sabbath wasn't made for God. It was made for man, right? God gave it to us to give us a place to rest. But we can go out there and strive so hard for provision not understanding, okay, I can actually rest and trust that God is going to provide for me and take care of me. So there's all these things that we do that with. Jacob, the story of Jacob in Genesis 32, it's a great story. And growing up, I heard it all the time, like Jacob wrestled with God and he won. How awesome is that? 
I wrestled with God. I mean, that's like me, you know, wrestling with my dad and him letting me win. But he wrestled with God and he won. What a cool story. And then God blessed him. What an awesome thing. The only problem is that he was wrestling for, with God for something that he actually already had. He already had it. He already had a blessing. The only thing he walked away with that day after wrestling with God was a permanent disability because God touched his hip and then he had a limp for the rest of his life. So he won and he got a blessing, but he left with an injury. And check it out. This is how we know that he already had the blessing. Genesis 32, he was blessed. But if you back up four chapters, there above it stood the Lord. He's looking at this stairway up to heaven. He's having a division. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. God already gave him this huge blessing saying, I'm going to bless you so much that it's literally going to flow through your life and bless the whole world. Just four chapters earlier, And because he didn't receive that, and because he wouldn't just rest in that and be thankful and say, God, thank you for giving me this awesome blessing. Thank you for giving me this awesome calling. Thank you for giving me this awesome future. And This this is amazing. You're not only going to bless me, but you're going to bless my kids and everybody else and everyone we touch. You're going to do all this blessing. Thank you, God, for that. Because he wasn't able to just rest and just be thankful and trust God, he gets in this wrestling match later and what? Walks away with the blessing he already had and a hip injury he didn't have before. How many times do we struggle and wrestle with God to try to obtain something that God already gave us? And then we wonder, why so much anxiety? Why so much stress? Why so much anger? Why so much frustration going on in my life? Well, it's such a struggle sometimes because we're struggling to obtain something God already gave us. And you're like, God, why do, why do I have this? Well, you don't have to. If you would let go, trust me, you wouldn't have all the struggle. You wouldn't have all the stress. You wouldn't have the, the bad hip. You wouldn't have the injury. Here's Gideon. Gideon was frozen by fear. He needed God's help. An army was coming in to attack all of the Israelites and to come after these people. And Gideon was hiding out. He's actually literally hiding out in like a wine press. Like an area where you go underneath and like pressing wine or like a wheat thresh, like a place where they threshed and, they, and they, they made stuff hidden away. He's inside of it. He's hiding. And the enemy's coming. <laughs> and he's afraid. Why? Because he needs courage. He needs strength. He needs power. This enemy's greater than us. It's so big. And he's in there in fear. So he's frozen by fear. But check this out. He's frozen by the fear of what's happening around him because he needs more strength and he needs more power. Judges 6, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. He didn't say in the strength I'm going to give you, in the strength that's coming. He said in the strength that what? You have. He's literally hiding out afraid waiting for something that what? He already has. God already gave him the strength that he needs. God already gave him the power that he needs. It was already there. Sometimes there's situations, maybe it's a relationship that needs restored, 
And we don't have the courage. We don't want to go talk to the person. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to, we're, we're staying away from all these things. Or God's saying, hey, I, I need you to start this. You don't, I want you to start this ministry. Well, I can't. I don't have enough. I don't know. When, when, when I get more, when, when, I, when I feel stronger, or else when I feel like there's a better chance of that relationship being better, or I feel like God says, hey, go pray for that person. Well, once I have a better gift of life doing something, like when I pray, something really happens, you know, like maybe when it grows, maybe when we have all these ideas of when, 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 then I will. And yet story after story through the Bible, and I've only picked a few this morning, but we see that God is often calling people to do something, and when they're wanting more help or they're wanting something added, he's like, I already gave it to you. I already gave it to you. And we live like teenagers. Hey, can I have 40 bucks? I already gave it to you. Like I just menmoed you like 40 bucks like an hour ago. I spent it. Okay. I guess I better give you more. Well, the problem is with God, a lot of times he's saying, you want more? And we're like, yeah. Well, where's the last I gave you? I haven't used it yet. Why don't you use it? I'm afraid. We'll use it. Maybe I'll give you some more, but go use what I gave you. Like, go do it. And so he says, go in mighty, he goes, go, you mighty warrior, go in the strength that you have. Save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And so he's giving him this charge. Go to Jesus. How did Jesus respond to things? Well, Jesus walked in who he was. He overcame by trusting and walking in who he was. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he's getting ready to face the cross, his big pivotal mission on earth, to carry the weight of the sin of the whole world, to die on the cross for our sins, to set us free from the bondage. And he's there, and all the pressure's coming on, and it says, for the joy that was set before him, so he's looking ahead, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and did what? Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's looking ahead and he's saying, do you know what? I already know who I am. I already know where I'm going. I already know what I'm called to do. I already know that at some point when this is over, I win. And I'm going to be sitting down on the throne. And so he scorned the shame of the cross. He scorned the difficulty and the challenge of it. He said, you know what? I don't care about that. I'm going to move forward in what I'm called to do and what I'm here for and what my mission is. Why? Because I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know how this turns out. See, if we have the same heart and we have the same ability to do that. We just say, you know what, God, this is a difficult situation I'm in, but I know that you made me for a purpose. Lord, I know that you're with me. I know, God, that I'm a marvelous work of your hand. I know that I'm awesome. I know I'm going somewhere. You're doing something in me and through me, and I can trust that, not just that you'll do it through someone else. Sometimes it's easy to have faith that God will do something through or for someone else. Oh, you're having a hard time with your, with your finances? You know, let me pray for you, man. I believe God's going to bless you. And then we go back into our own thing and say, man, I know God's doing this. is going to be so awesome. Walk back in our own thing and we cry because, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm so stressed out. I don't know if he's going to hear me or see me, but I'll pray for them. Or give great counseling to somebody. You know what? Your marriage can last. You know what? God can work it out. I know you're struggling, but God will work it out. God will work on your marriage. Trust God. Just begin to get in his word and trust him and pray and begin to work on things and forgive each other and all that stuff. Then we walk back into our own marriage and go, oh, Lord, I don't know if this will ever work out. What's going to happen? It's easier sometimes to look and get excited for somebody else. It's kind of like dieting, right? Oh, I know how you could get in shape better. Well, you just got to watch your carbs and watch this and watch that and 
I watch cards, but it's hard to see them when they get too close. It's like, <laughs> my eyes cross. I'm, like, I'm watching them all, right? Go down. But if you're watching your cards, you, you can give out all that advice. You're like, oh, is that what you do now? I haven't done that at all. I need to get healthy. But I've read a lot of stuff, and I know a lot of stuff, and I know it works for other people. But we're talking about believing God's word for ourselves. This is about my life. This is about me. Like David did. Why? So that you can be awesome and just have an awesome life and a self-contained little kind of self-centered, self-focused life where your world revolves around you? No, because when you embrace that and you understand it and you know that, you know what, God's put this gift and call on me to do this. What it does, it empowers you and enables you to break out of the insecurity and the fear that keeps you back and to step into it. And what, what does into it mean? Into it means you step into doing what God's called you to do and we know that he's always calling us to serve and to love others. He gave Jacob a blessing, why? To be a blessing to others. Jesus endured the cross, why? To set us free, right? You go through the Bible, it's always impacting other people. And if we can get held back by all this noise in our head, that, yeah, we don't have what it takes. No, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm too much of a screw up. Well, you know, I'm probably never gonna measure up. Well, God can't use me. Well, all these different things. Then what happens is we get so shrunk down that we have no ability now to be the blessing and to serve others that God called us to be. If I started reaching out to people, trying to serve people or help people when I thought I was qualified, I still wouldn't be here. None of us are as aware of other people's problems as much as we are aware of our own problems. Like, we know those. We're kind of guessing sometimes on other people's, and sometimes that's fun. Like, I know the problem they have. I can see it. But our own problems, and we're aware of. See, David said, Lord, you made me marvelous and amazing and awesome, and I know this very well. Sometimes we live on the other side where, Lord, I've got all kinds of problems and issues, and I've screwed up, and I'm a screw up. And guess what? This I know very well. Well, you know what? It's time to stop knowing that very well and start putting ourselves in a position where we line our mind up to think on God and his goodness and say, God, you know what? Wow. Look at what you've done. Look what you've done, Lord. I like to give. I like to serve. I like to help people. Look what you've done. I used to be selfish. Lord, I used to yell and scream at people. And guess what? Today I didn't. Well, what about yesterday? Lord, today I didn't. Thank God. I didn't do that today. You know, I talk about 12-step programs. Sometimes it, man, I was just trying to make it literally 12 steps before I had another problem. Like, literally. Like, can I make it down this hallway before I have a bad thought or a bad attitude? I don't know. That's a long hallway. Ten steps in, I got to go back and start over. Like red light, green light. Nope, you screwed up, go back. We know sometimes our problems very well. The man after God's own heart, David, knew about the awesomeness that God made him to be very well. Well, that takes practice. You have to literally sit and stop and think, Lord, what are you doing in me? Lord, what are you doing through me? God, what is it about me that you like? Why did you make me? Lord, why did you give me this ability? It seems to annoy people. Why do you do this? Like, I know that I tend to be this way, but it seems to bother people. Like, what do you want to do in me and through me? How do you want it to be a blessing and a gift? And we talk to God and we let God work in us and teach us how to use the skills and abilities we have. It's like Spider-Man when he first gets his webs, right? First gets his webs and what does he do? He like breaks cars. He smashes himself against the wall. He falls on the ground. It's all these problems. Until what? Until he learns. Lord, teach me how to use this ability. Teach me how to use this gift. Teach me how to do this well. Joseph, another person in the Bible, Genesis 50. 
I'm not going into all the stories on all these because there's too many, but going to uh, Joseph. Genesis 50 kind of tells his story, but Joseph was having this dream and vision about how God had just really called him to something and people were going to bow down to him. That's a pretty big one, right? The mistake he made is he didn't just tell people, man, I believe that God's got a call in my life and something awesome's going to happen, but he literally went around and told them, and you're going to bow down to me, and I think you're going to bow down to me. He just went around telling people that. I had a dream last night. What was it? Well, I had a dream that you bowed down to me, and I towered above you, and I was awesome. Yeah. I'm not recommending doing that, but that's what he did, and guess what happened? It got him thrown in a ditch by his own family. They threw him in a ditch and said, you're out of here, and they told the dad he was dead. Hey, where's your brother? He's dead. Really? Yep. He got killed, and here's his clothes, and it's got blood all over it. They got off of an animal and gave it to their dad. They thought he was dead. But even though he wasn't very wise at the time, he was sure of who God made him to be. And over time, he winds up in a dungeon, and then he still talks about, I can, I can give you a word from God because God's with me, and he gives somebody a word, and he says, hey, remember me, and they forget him, and he still stays in the dungeon. And then later on, somebody finally remembers him, and eventually he ends up in this position where he's running the whole land. And God uses it to bring food to people that are in the middle of just giant famines and all these problems going on, and God used it. Why? Because even through all the circumstances, struggles, and difficulties, he never let go of or forgot who God called him to be. And you can't tell me that sometimes when he was in that dungeon, he wasn't thinking to himself, man, if I had just had more humility and didn't have such a big mouth, if I just didn't try to rub it in on my brothers. Because his dad had already made him a coat. You know, you've seen Joseph in the coat of many colors. His dad had already made him a coat that said he was better than all of his brothers. This big, beautiful coat, right? Like, we could do our family that way. Like, okay, this is your shirt because you're my favorite. And so we got this special jacket. You know, this is a special shirt for this particular kid in my family, and you're going to be awesome. And then you wear it for Cammie. It's Cammie's, Cammie's coat. Here you go, Cammie. And so every morning she gets up and puts it on. Comes downstairs. Well, I'm up. Do you want to come downstairs and look at me? I'm here. Uh, can you just text me a picture? I've looked at you every morning this week. And that could be the attitude. But Joseph went farther than that. Not only did he wear the coat, but he went around making sure that he reminded them that I'm going to be awesome. You're going to bow down to me. So when he's in these dungeons and when he's in these problems, you've got to think that he was thinking to himself, oh, man, if I had just shut my mouth. So I'm sure he was fully aware of his mistakes, but he never let go of who he was. He never let go of who God called. Some of y'all have made some huge mistakes. Not just little ones. I mean huge ones. Ones that should, by all rights, probably totally negate your future. You've probably hurt people. You've probably done you know, things with uh, abusing substances or people or said things or done things. or Who knows? We've all made mistakes. We've all had problems. That's the beauty of the cross, is that Jesus took all that on himself, took away our shame, took away our pain, our suffering, and he rose again to bring us new life. And if we don't forget who we are, that we're made by God, that God made us on purpose, for a purpose, that there's a reason that we're here, that we are awesome, not self-serving awesomeness, but awesome because God's awesome. Lord, you did this. You made me this way. This is incredible. You know, fellows here in the back, Fellow starting a t-shirt business, selling t-shirts with these slogans on his shirt that he made. He's had these slogans on his phone for how many years, fellow? Have you been keeping those little things on your phone? A while, right? 
He's been keeping these. He showed me months ago. He says, yeah, I got all these things. I keep getting these little phrases. I just write them down. Just write them down. And I'm like, what are you going to do with them? I don't know. Maybe I'll do music. I don't know. Now it's finally clicked. What am I going to use them for? He said, I put them on shirts and sell them on shirts. So just things to encourage and to build up. Fellow comes from a, a, a rough background, lots of problems, lots of issues around him in his life, like many of us have had. Lots of issues in his own life and heart, like many of us have had, right? But he keeps getting back up and moving forward. Why? Because somehow this is all going to work out because I know that God's for me, not against me. I know that God made me. I know that God loves me. I know that there's a reason, a purpose for my life. I'm going to keep getting up, keep moving forward, keep getting up, moving forward. Why? Because I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That when I was in the womb, God knit me together, that he knows me. Not invisible. I have a purpose. I'm just going to reread that verse. For you formed me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And I know this very well. He went through all kinds of things. He was anointed as king, and then he had to run and hide in caves, and he had to stay away because the king, current king was trying to kill him. Do all this crazy stuff he had going on. And yet all through it, he kept remembering, nope. God's made me for a purpose. I'm called to be the king someday. In fact, there's opportunities. King Saul was trying to kill David. He was hunting him to kill him. And in the Bible, it talks about like David actually saw him out there in the wilderness crouching behind something to relieve himself, go to the bathroom. David had the chance to take him out and instantly become the king and also instantly deliver himself from this guy that was chasing him down. But he never tried to do it in his own strength like Jacob. He didn't want to wrestle it in. He was saying, God, this is your thing. When the timing is right, you're going to bring this through. And so people were telling him, go get him. And he's like, no, I won't do that. I won't lay a hand on him. For now, God has him in that position. I will not lay a hand on him. He snuck up behind him, and he cut a little bit off of his cape, off of his robe. And then he went across the, the valley, and he holds it up, and he's yelling. And he's like, I got a piece of your robe. But not to make fun of him, but to tell him, I'm on your side. Like, I know people have told you to come kill me because I'm against you, but I'm not. I'm on your side. And then he just went and kept living his life and waiting for God to open the doors. Why? Because he believed that God had made him for a purpose. He believed that there was an awesome destiny in his future, and he trusted God, and he waited for God, and he moved forward. He didn't do like Jacob did and wrestle for something he already had. He just waited and trusted God and lived his life. Moved forward. Esther, she saved her people. They were all going to get wiped out, genocide, and she saved them. You know, that's where we get the line out of the Bible, or who knows? Maybe you were made for such a time as this. She had to go before the king and deliver her people. And so God's like, you know, maybe you were made for such a time as this. He prophesied through Mordecai. We go through difficult things, and sometimes we get caught up in the difficulty of that situation, and we think, now what? Lord, somebody needs the help. And God's looking down saying, do you know, I made you awesome and you're in that spot. The reason you're in that spot is because you were made for such a time as this. You're here to help with that. I can do it through you. Lord, send some. I can do it through you. Go in the strength you have, mighty warrior. All through the Bible, this is, we see how God interacts with people this way. Mary, mother of Jesus, literally raised our Savior. I mean, how fun is that? Sounds awesome, but when you argue with your kids and they say they're right, and you're like, no, I'm right, and you are raising Jesus, that gets harder to do. <laughs> you're like, I'm right. Actually, you're not. 
but I forgive you. Because, because you do not know what you do. By the way, I'd like money because you tithe to me. Mary had to do this job. So here she is. She's this young girl. The angel comes, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I think he just said it, right? Greetings. You're highly favored. I wonder what this means. Well, it means you're highly favored. That's what it means. The Lord's with you. So she wonders about this, and it says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary didn't do something here. She just received something. Right? Mary's sitting there. And this angel appears and says, my favor is with you. God is with you. Good things are about to happen to you. And you know what she did? She just received it. She received it. As you read the story on, it says that she took those things, she treasured them up in her heart, and she just went about raising Jesus. It's who God made her to be. So she just accepted it. Trusted it, and then just walked it out. Who's God made you to be? What types of things has God put on your heart to do? To be and say, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. We just have to be able to receive and say, okay. I mean, I literally was called to be a pastor when I literally, and I would probably repeat this forever. I know you've heard it before. I literally would hide in my closet at my house when people came over. That much social anxiety. Literally, not like, you know, I was kind of in my bedroom. No, literally in the closet, shut the door, go behind the clothes, hide the clothes. Only thing sticking out is my feet. But God said, you know what? I want you to do this. I want you to step forward. I want you to start taking action. I want you to start, okay. And so we just begin to walk it out and begin to live it out. What will you choose to do? Will you choose to thank God for your awesomeness? To thank him for it and walk in it and say, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk it out. You know, I love this little row of ladies right here, specifically Heidi and Carolyn right here. Bookending. You guys are bookended by some great ladies, and you're great too, but my stories here is they come to recovery on Monday nights, and at first it's like, well, why do I go to recovery? Like, I'm not like breaking out of addiction or doing anything, but it's recovery for all kinds of things. It's recovery for grief, recovery for all types of stuff. But they come and sit down. Their first time at recovery group, they leave, and it's like the stuff they were saying mattered, and it had an impact on people's lives. And it was like, well, how did that happen? Because I've never even been on a drug addict, or I've never even been on alcohol. I've never even been on whatever issue. Like, I... No, but they love God, and they've walked through their own struggles, right? And those struggles translate... And people can understand those, and they walk out having blessed somebody. Why? Because the awesomeness was built in. It's already there. Putting themselves in a position to be used by God and to step into an opportunity to serve is what allows the awesomeness to be released. It's like these cocoa bombs that they make. Right? Looks cool. Put it in the hot water, and what happens? The awesomeness comes out. 
right? Sometimes we just have to, instead of trying to look and go, I don't know how you drink this. Like, I don't know how to drink it. Like, I'm holding it up and I'm putting it against my face. I, I can't drink it. You said this is a drink? Yeah, it's a cocoa bomb. It's a drink. How do you drink it? Put it in the water. Then all the awesomeness comes out. Sometimes we look at ourselves and say, well, I don't know. What, what can this do? I don't, how can this be a blessing? How can this help people? How can this serve? I, I don't know. Do not put yourself in the circumstance where the blessing is needed and watch God just go out of your life and start blessing people. And you're like, wow, I didn't even know I could do that. I'm so awesome. Why? Because God's working in you to do awesome things. He made you in his image. And the Bible says now that he's died, gone to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit who now dwells in us. You're literally a carrier of the Spirit of God. You are a giant spiritual cocoa bomb. It's incredible. Jabez, we're almost to the end here. A couple more verses. I want you to soak this in. Will you do what Jabez did and dare to receive and live in your identity? First Chronicles 4.10. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God rebuked him for wanting to be blessed, for wanting to have more opportunity, for wanting to step out and do awesome things. God said, oh, yeah, Jabez, kind of a loser, buddy. I got other people that are better than you. I'm putting them in place. You're on the B team. I got an A team. If I need you, I'll call you. He didn't say that. Just simply says, and God granted his request. God granted his request. Psalms 139, he formed you in your inmost being. Lord, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and I know this very well. I would encourage you to memorize that verse and just really internalize it. Just really internalize it, understand. Does it mean that you don't make mistakes? Does it mean that you don't need to, oh, anything I feel and want must be good because you know what, I'm awesome? No, we line ourselves up with God's word in obedience to his word and walk out God's design for our lives. But he's made us in an awesome way and we're all different. This room is probably 50% autistic, like literally. You know that? Like I know everybody, we got a lot of autism in here. Somebody said one time, you know, you should be the Spectrum Church. Yeah, maybe. And you know what? I know people with autism that are freaking awesome because they just think a little differently, a little faster, a little more uniquely. And it adds so much flavor and color to life and they solve problems that I can't even figure out. And we got people in here that are OCD, right? And you bother people and bless them at the same time, right? You got people that are amazing talkers and guess what? You talk to people and encourage them, and put them to sleep at the same time. Because <laughs> you don't know when to stop. It just is. We, we're all a mix. But God made us awesome and unique to be that way. Ephesians 3.20, this is the last verse. So there's a few left, and this is the final one. Ephesians 3.20, 21, says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God's doing all these things that are beyond all we can ask or think, immeasurably more than we can ask or think, all these incredible things God's doing, just mind-blowing things, 
more than we can imagine. God's doing all that stuff. How? Out there? No, by the power at work within us. Like he's literally coming into and working through us, which by definition, anybody that has like the God of the universe that totally created everything, the cosmos and everything, and he says, you know what, I'm going to come down, I'm going to just, my spirit's going to come upon you, and through your life, I'm going to do some awesome things that blow people's imaginations. That person, by, ne- by definition, would be pretty awesome. I want to see them. Get a mirror. That's what God made you for. That's what he's called you for. That's what's in you. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. It's all not for our glory to say that we're awesome, but we are awesome because he made us that way and our awesomeness points back to him. Because what happens when you see a really cool piece of art? That art's awesome. Who made it? Right? Wow, this cake is delicious. Who baked it? Wow, this mess is awesome. (laughs) Who made the mess? Anytime you see something that blows your mind, you want to know who did it. Well, that's why God made us that way, so people point to him. So, P-O-K-C. That's my code word. It means pass out the keychains. Where did Rose go? We told me to have a code word, P-O-K-C. All right, so I'm passing these out. So you just go down the aisles. Everybody can get one of these. These are to keep on your keychain. And if you don't uh, have a keychain, now you do. So these are just superhero keychains. So there's different ones in there. There's only two, there's only like two kinds in there. But grab a keychain. You can put it on your mirror. You can put it on your keychain. Hang it on your backpack. Do whatever you want with it. And the point is that every time you see that, is I just pray, it's just a reminder to you. You're going through a struggle or a situation, you know what? You pull out your keys, you look at it, and you go, wow. I am pretty awesome. Like, there is a power at work in me, not like a fake superhero, but like a real-life supernatural hero. The, the supernatural God of the universe is working in and through your life. Whatever you're facing, whatever trial, whatever difficulty, whatever circumstance, whatever is going on, God has put it in you because literally he's putting himself in you. He's putting his heart in you, his spirit in you to be able to get through that situation. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This verse, Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do all these things immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to the power where at work within us. You have what it takes to do awesome things and to get through whatever circumstance you're going through because God is with you and God is working in and through your life. We have an awesome God who is doing awesome things in you. Just embrace it and receive what you already have. Amen? It's the gift of God to us. Father, I just pray right now for everybody that's here, Lord, as we finish passing out these keychains. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord. It's a message right now. But Lord, I pray it becomes more than that in their heart. Lord, let it become, Father, a reality. Lord, that everyone wakes up and walks in. Or that the first thought of the morning is, man, this is an awesome day, and I've been made by an awesome God to do awesome things. Lord, they'd be able to walk in that and receive that. God, I pray against condemnation. Lord, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, for clear heads and clear minds, Lord, not to be discouraged or pulled back to old ways of thinking, Lord, or sinful habits or behaviors or depression or discouragement, Lord, or self-hatred or any of those things. But God, I pray right now for a release of faith, 
or to receive, Lord, the awesome gift that you've given each person, Lord, in wanting to make them know them and to do life with them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.